0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Tonight is the night, Super Bowl. I know some of you guys are excited, at least for the Rams, it seems, so hey, that's good. It's, it's neat though when you approach Super Bowl weekend, you think about all the effort it is taken for these individuals to get to this place. You think they have some people, they are at the beginning of their careers, and this is their magnificent moment. You've other people that have been here before, and they're ready to do it again, but there is so much time and effort that has arrived to this one day, and then after tonight, it'll be all done. At the end of tonight, there will be a very clear winner, and yes, there'll be a very clear loser as well. And no matter what transpires, it will end with that conclusion that something specifically has transpired, and there is a winner. And I think sometimes we carry that same philosophy over with us in life, that someone always has to be a winner or someone has to be a loser. Let me explain. It feels like sometimes in our lives that some people get ahead and we feel like they get ahead at our expense. And we don't like that. It feels like that some people get more points, if you will, in life, and we are losing those points. They gain more yards in life, and I'm still left behind in a place where I don't want to be at. And because of this, it creates a mentality where we are no longer unified. It creates, in fact, a lot of division in our thinking. We no longer think that we have um, anything in common with individuals. We believe there's a lot of division that may or may not exist, but in our mind, it does. And what ends up happening is we start living a life that is full of Comparison, of contrast, of criticism, and really competition as we seek to get ahead of the other person. It almost turns into this rat race of life where I need to get ahead and grab what I can before you take it from me, or I'm going to be left behind. I'm going to be left in the dust. Now, people that have a very intelligent mind have come up with a, with a, philosoph- a philosophical name for this kind of thinking, and they call it <laughs> zero sum thinking or zero-sum bias, meaning that if someone takes, another person has to give and it has to kind of equal out. And if you think about it in our world today, you actually see this kind of thinking portrayed, unfortunately, kind of commonly. Sometimes you'll hear some people that might say, well, because this particular individual is rich, or wealthy, that they are wealthy at the expense of someone else who is poor, that those two are correlated one to another. We see this in politics a lot. We won't get into that, but we see it in politics as well. Um, we, we see it. Uh, even in our own workplace, in our own lives. And as I'm saying this, you say, well, I might not have that thinking. I might not think that, hey, if this person or people group or lifestyle is accepted, then another one has to be rejected. But if you think about it in your personal life, I think you might see some similarities. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're at your workplace and there is a position, a promotion coming up and you and your team all have eligibility for it and someone else gets it other than you. You feel like I lost it, that they got it at my expense. Or you might think of that when it comes to a raise, that someone else is getting that raise and I'm losing that opportunity to gain more income. You might even think about it when it comes to perhaps um, splitting up a family will or an inheritance, and you think that the way it's distributed is unfair. And because of that, it puts this mentality in our mind where we have to get ahead. We've got to be better than the other person. As you can imagine, this can create division and how you and how you view the people around you. Um, So if you think about it that way, that it creates this division, what ultimately happens is that in our mind, we always want to be the ones that are doing better. And if we're honest with ourselves, we would say that the people that are normally doing better than us, we like to see it when they aren't doing quite as good, because it means we're doing better. It means that we are proceeding more and we're doing things the more correct way and we feel better about ourselves. But unfortunately, this kind of thinking usually results in one or two actions out of our personalities, depending on who you are. One reaction might be is that you want to get ahead. You want to qualify your way ahead, and we do that by leveraging things that would help us do that. We find out people's flaws, we find out their failures, and we leverage it as best as we can to put them down so that we become elevated. And that's just a simple way that we can do that. And so we strive very hard to make ourselves look right, even at, the expense of, even at the expense of doing wrong things to other individuals. That's one response. The other response, again, depending on your personality, might not be that you don't feel like you can engage like that. And so you kind of disengage. And you say that, well, there's no real point. I've tried, I've worked hard and I can't seem to get ahead, there's no point, I'm not even gonna try, I'm just gonna give up. What was what the point of even trying? And when I thought about that kind of response, I thought back to a movie that came out in 1983 called War Games, and real quickly, has anyone seen the movie War Games? Yes, I see a couple, thank you so much, my fellow nerds, I love you guys so much. But in that movie, if you're not familiar, it's it's a uh, focus around this character. His name is David Lightman. David is really into video games, and he, he tries to hack into a video game company's server to get access to their newer games before they're released to the public. Although, that when he goes and hacks into this company's server, he actually inadvertently hacks into the government supercomputer at NORAD. It's a computer that's meant for defense strategy, strategies against nuclear warfare. The computer was called uh, the War Operations Plan Response, the Whopper computer, this amazing supercomputer at the time. And so David begins playing a game on this computer thinking that it's a game, while the computer thinks that it's actually a real-life situation happening and that the U.S. is about to get attacked in a nuclear-style um, event. And people start freaking out because that computer has the ability to launch nuclear warheads. And so they're scrambling trying to shut the computer down. And they realize they can't turn the computer off because it's almost got like a mind of its own. And so instead of trying to tell it's the wrong thing to do, they instead try to teach it that there is no point because it's a no-win scenario. If you blow up somebody, they're gonna blow you up. And so to teach this to the computer, they start flooding it with tons and tons of simulations of tic-tac-toe. And if you've ever played tic-tac-toe, you know that if you play it so many times, it usually ends in a stalemate, it ends in a draw. And they're trying to teach the computer that it's not worth it, and it translated that thinking into how it would respond to nuclear warhead. And at the end of this, you see all the sparking flights, lights, and the computer goes nuts, and it kinda shuts everything down, the world's saved. And then the computer spits out this this comment, I'm gonna put it up here on the screen behind you, it says, it's a strange game, and it says, the I need to read to it, the only winning move is not to play, the only winning move is not to play, and I think sometimes in lives, we get to that place, where I can't win, so why even try, I am so sick and tired of always being last, I've always been degraded, I'm not feeling I have any worth, and I can't get ahead, so why even try? The only winning move is not to play. And it's very unfortunate that we feel this way, and perhaps you can relate to this at some point in your life where you feel like you just can't get ahead. And what we desire is really to not be at odds with one another. We desire to be together. We desire to have good community with one another, to get along, that that's kind of our desire, but it feels like in our life that there's no way for mutual gain, that either someone's going to come out on top, or... I'm going to come out in the bottom and we struggle with this all the time. And unfortunately in our desire to find this genuine connection, to find authentic community, oftentimes we find it lacking and we can't discover where it's at. Sometimes we may even come to a church. In fact, we say this a lot here at Lifehouse. We come to church for one or two reasons to connect with God and to connect with others. And we think that if we come to church, we should immediately feel this connection and when we don't feel it right away, we feel like something's wrong. Is there something wrong with me? Are they just living this perfect lives? And instead of trying to delve in deeper, how can I get this authentic connection through God, what we end up doing is just kind of blending in. And we are satisfied to just kind of resign ourselves to shallow relationships, not going that deep, and just really kind of living in this disconnected state. But newsflash—that's not what God desired for our lives. He designed us as people that are designed to get along and work with other people. We have a natural desire within us to belong and to come together and to be a family. But in our life in our world today, it seems like that's not the case. It feels like that we are at odds all too often. But this is not a new problem. In fact, if we look back through the course of time and the ages, you will see that this has happened time and time again, where people feel like they are disconnected, they feel broken, they feel unwanted, and they can't get this desired connection with others that they would like to have, because deep down inside, we would like to get along with other people. And we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture here coming from the book of Ezekiel that's found in the Old Testament today. And to give you a little background, the book of Ezekiel, this is happening at a time where the nation of Israel, which is God's chosen people, have gone into captivity. They've gone into exile because of their disobedience to God. And God raises up this man called Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is a prophet. Now that doesn't mean he's like something magical, it means that he is the voice, the spokesperson For God. And so he basically receives the message from God and delivers it out to the people. And last week we looked at the beginning of chapter 47 where God gives this incredible message to these people that are broken and they've had their lives turned upside down, and they're looking for this hope that can only come from God. And so God paints this beautiful picture out before them of the temple, and it has this basin that's overflowing with living water. It passes underneath the sacrificial altar, and as it goes out, kind of like what we were singing, it turns into this wild river where the the land around it grows, there are trees that spring up, and God is painting this picture that the, the rough times they've experienced, the times that they felt dead and disconnected are about to come alive. And as he speaks that, that sounds great, that sounds wonderful, but the people still feel disconnected. How in the world are they supposed to reconnect and experience this great life that God has for them? We're going to pick up the story today here in Exodus chapter 47 and verse 13, which says this, the Lord God proclaims, these are the boundaries of the portion of land that will be distributed as an inheritance to the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph will receive two portions. What I swore to give to your ancestors, you will distribute as an inheritance equally. This land is given to you as an inheritance. Now, if- you read that initially, you're thinking, now how in the world is that an encouragement to these people that are disconnected? It sounds like they're just dividing up the land. It's like property agreements. Why in the world is this happening? But if you look into this verse, it actually says there that this land is given to you as an inheritance. It says the word inheritance three times. That's really important here that what God is doing is he's keeping his word to his people. And he's saying, I don't desire for you to live a disconnected life. I don't want your life to be bent on competing and trying to criticize and to claw your way forward. That's not the, the life of faith that I've designed for you. So I've given you this land. I specifically have carved it out for you where you can live together and you can be community. You can grow together through me. And I believe this, as, as we look at this passage of Scripture, it still speaks to us today, because God desires for us to experience that kind of life where we can come alive in those things, not that we're faced with competition and contrasting, competing all the time, but instead, God wants us to experience community. God wants us to experience community. I want to encourage you, if you've got a pen paper, pull out your smartphone, jot that down. Experience community. All too often, we forget about this because we feel like we are all on our own. We're isolated. And we feel like we're weak and abandoned, and God does not desire us to live that way. He does not want us to live a defeated life. He wants us to engage and experience a life of community where literally things are a whole lot better. I'm going to steal a new microphone here. Sorry about that, guys. But that's the kind of life that he desires for us to experience is one of community, where we are really there for one another and not out abandoned on our own because our enemy knows that we are weakest when we are by ourselves. That's where he can attack, and that's where he can do things against us. But when we are linked arms and experiencing this community, that's where God can grow in the mix. That's where we can come alive, and that's God's desire for every one of us. Now, as I say that, and you hear that today, you might say, well, Justin, that sounds sounds fine and dandy, but I don't think I can experience that in my life. You don't know the things that I'm going through even right now in this moment. Maybe for some of us, we're experiencing troubles within relationships. Maybe someone has walked out from you in your life, and you're left feeling abandoned. Maybe at the workplace, you feel overlooked or ridiculed. Maybe people have shamed you or said horrible things about you on social media, and you don't feel like you belong, and you feel left wanting, disconnected, and really don't feel like you have any connection. God says, I want to transform your thinking. I want to transform your life with living water that comes from me, where you can experience community that comes from me. And this is why this is possible is because even though we desire to have community, we mess it up because we, uh, on top of our core desire to have community, we have another core problem within us. And it's a problem we refer to as sin. Sin is simply anything I think, say, or do that does not please God. It means I do things my own way instead of doing God's way. And as a result, I go against God and I do things the way I deem best. And what that results in is a disconnected, disengaged life a life of defeat, a life where we don't fully come alive, we're not satisfied, we are left wanting. But even greater, it just doesn't create a disconnection among people because of our own personal things that we want to do, our selfishness. It creates a disconnection between us and God. You see, that sin that we have present in each and every one of our lives because we've all done wrong things separates us from God Almighty. And it's not just for a little while, it's for eternity. It will eventually result with us being separated in a place of forever torment and damnation. But God loved us so very much that he did not want us to stay disconnected from him. He wanted to provide a way so that we could engage and we could have that connection. But it came with a very steep price tag. It meant that a sacrifice had to be given so that our sin debt could be paid for. And there was only one person that had the ability to do that because it had to be a perfect person. And that was God's son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect life. He was 100% man, but also 100% God. He was tempted the same way you and I are tempted, but he chose not to sin. And then he came to the end of his life when he had lived a great life, a perfect life. And he chose to willingly lay down his life and take on himself our sin. And sometimes we say that and we breeze over it, but I want you to think about this today. Jesus Christ took on himself willingly your sin. I want you to think about the things that we have done that I have done in our lives that are wrong. Some things are public and people know about, some things are in private, but it's disgusting. And I want to disgust you for a second. I want you to see how terrible this is. And Jesus Christ, out of the love he has for you, says, you know what, give that to me. I've never experienced that before. I'm going to put it on myself, I'm going to take the entire sin of the world. I cannot imagine that weight that Jesus Christ felt when he took our punishment. But he took it willingly because he loved you. He died and took the punishment completely, but the story does not end there. Jesus Christ then did something that no other human has ever done in human history. Three days after he died, he came back to life of his own accord. He said, I am not going to stay dead. I'm going to come back to life. He proved he had victory over sin. He proved he had victory over death. And because of that, he came alive so that we can come alive. That connection that was disconnected because of our sin now can be reborn because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So when we make the decision to choose Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and ask for forgiveness of sin, we no longer stay disconnected from God. We become reconnected because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that connection allows us to build authentic community and experience that with the people around us. And that's God's desire is that we don't live this life where we feel we're alone because he's right there with us. He's offering it to us freely and we have the choice to accept it and then engage others around us so that we can really just have a life where we link arms and we live life together as a family. And that sounds fine and dandy, but you might wonder, well, how in the world can we really experience community? How can we do that? I'm glad you asked that question. I want to give you two follow-up thoughts of how you can do that. The first is this. We experience community when God brings us together. We experience community when God brings us together. This is very important. In our lives, all too often, our community that we surround ourselves in is based on things that we like. It could be a hobby that you have, It could be people of a similar age group. And those things are great and wonderful, but it will not stand the test of time. However, God, when he brings us together, when we are unified under the love of God, that changes everything. Here's why. Is that there are many things that divide us as a people. It comes to politics, the position you have, the money you make. Uh, your preference of things. All these things can divide us, but the unity that comes from God transcends all of this. True community is found in God, and get this, healthy community comes when we accept the love of God and share and show that love. That's a community that God desires us to have is being unified under him, under God, that let that be the core thing that drives us together because without that kind of love present, we can't have healthy community. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 puts it this way. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. I love this passage because it explains what the family, the body of Christ looks like. That when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, anyone else who's made that decision, that's your brother and sister in Christ. It's, an, it's a fantastic privilege and opportunity God has given us to experience family, to belong within the unification of God. And I want to encourage you. This is something that we should embrace. And I want to encourage you to get along with people that accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because you're going to be with them for eternity. So you may as well get started now and be able to communicate and have a great life with them. Share a life with them. Experience that unity that comes from God. Because that's his desire, is for us to belong. We should not be divided, especially as Jesus followers, by these other things because we have the unity that comes from God through our faith in Jesus Christ. This is something that we should prioritize and we should not allow other things to interfere with. And here's the deal, is that your enemy, Satan, is going to try to take the things that divide you and use it against that unity that comes from God. He's gonna try to divide you because he knows that if he can get you separated, that he can attack stronger and he can mess up your life more and get you to do things that God does not want you to do. However, you carry with you the love of Jesus Christ, which creates healthy community. That is the bedrock. You know, we can have uh, all these great um, things that join us together, but the only way we can build authentic community is when it's founded on the love of Jesus Christ. So I wanna encourage you, make sure that we are giving uh, that a priority in our lives, that we are centering on the fact that we are unified by God the other things they may be to some level of importance but they don't transcend that one so we are unified because of God now if we're going to be unified by God what does that look like through our day-to-day life get this we experience community when we share life together We experience community when we share life together. I know it sounds simple, but it's very true. This is the desire path that God has for us, that we are not remaining isolated and disconnected. He wants us to be in community with one another, sharing life for the purpose that we can grow closer to him and grow deeper in our love of him and share and share that with people that are far away from him. I want to continue on in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. Uh, This is at the end of the chapter. It says this. So you shall divide this land among you according to the tribes of Israel. You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the sojourners who reside among you and have had children with, among you. They shall be to you as a native-born child, children of Israel. With you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. And whatever tribe the sojourner resides, there you shall assign him his inheritance, declares the Lord God." what I love about this picture here is that this is the inheritance that God has given for his people. He just said that in the earlier passage, the Lord God proclaims, this is how you're going to separate the land for community. But then he says, what I want you to do is I want you to share that community with other people. And I love the fact that he calls out specifically sojourners. These are people that are passing through. They are not native-born Israelites. And God says, if they're residing with you, invite them in. The inheritance I've given you is meant to be shared. It's meant for you to invite other people in. It's not meant for you to hoard. And see, the the beauty of this is that our God-given inheritance of community is experienced when we share life together. It truly brings that genuine connection that you can't get anywhere else. It's an inheritance that's meant for you to be shared with the people around you. So be inviting other people into this inheritance of community community so what does this look like it looks like this first off when we experience this community by sharing life together we are first better together we're better together this is a simple way we can illustrate this is when you make a bed if you've ever made a bed by yourself it can be rather annoying you go from corner to corner you try to get the whole thing even and like you're putting on the fitted sheet and like it doesn't get on the square and my OCD kicks in and I get mad however if you do if you make a bed with two people do you realize you cannot do it twice as fast you can do it four times as fast isn't that crazy that is the beauty of when we are together, we are more effective at sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ. We are more, uh, have more ability to do more things for God. So first off, we're better together. Second off, we can serve together. We can serve together. Each and every person sitting here today and around the world has unique gifts, talents, and abilities that God has blessed you with. They are unique to you. No one else has been replicated or created the way you have been. And God desires to take your giftedness and pair it with this person's giftedness. And when you bring all this together, we are able to do incredible things. We are able to first be there for one another, but more importantly, we can reach the world with the love of Jesus Christ. I want to point this out when it comes to community. There are people that you are able to reach and interact with that I will never be able to. There are things and topics you can have a conversation about. There are activities you can do that I will never have an opportunity to do. And that's the beauty for all of us is that you are uniquely gifted and created to reach the world around you with the love of Jesus Christ. When we serve together and keep that our priority, we can see life change happen. But it's all because of that priority of community. Not only better together, not only serving together, but also we can care together. And this is the one I want to kind of... Stop and pause for a moment. I think it's one that we forget too often is that we ought to be caring for one another. We ought to be slowing down enough in our lives so we're taking time to love each other, to check up on each other, to see how you're doing and ways that we can be there for them. Our priority is not just to say, hi, how are you doing? But literally, I want to be there for you. I'm invested in your life. I want the very best for you. I want to encourage you in the Lord. And along with that, when you have people that you care about in your life and you love them dearly, Along with that comes a level of accountability. Here's what I mean, is that if you care for someone and you see them heading towards a direction that is not going to end well, it's going to end towards destruction. You have the privilege and obligation and responsibility to step and say, hey, you know what? I care about you. Let's not do that. You're not going to twist the person's arms or whatever, but you have the opportunity to be there and to help them because in our lives, don't we want that? If we're going down the wrong path, wouldn't we want someone that we uh, appreciate and look up to come alongside and say, hey, let's bring it in, let's go back this direction. There's a level of accountability and we ought to do this because if we're gonna be focused on the task of reaching the world, of reaching Chambersburg with the love of Jesus Christ, then we have to be collectively pursuing that. We can't be going astray. That is the beauty because we are linking arms together and saying we are going to do this as a team, as a family, and we're gonna pursue after God. We have to start by caring for one another. And finally, more of a fun one, we ought to spend time together. We ought to spend time together. And really what this comes down to is time. Can you prioritize time for the family of God? I'm not talking about coming to church per se. I'm talking about for the people that you have influence of in your life, that you have an opportunity to speak life into. That you have an opportunity to, like I said, link arms and be there and care for and serve alongside. Will you give that time? And not just for the big things, the little things too whether you want to have a party at your house or go out and see a movie, but also the serious times when someone needs to have a shoulder to cry on, when someone is really angry and they need someone to talk to. And also the good times here where you can laugh and share the joys of life together. That community is so critical. And what I wanted to express to you is that this is the way that God designed it. But, but here's the deal. We can have all these things but not have access to them because it comes down to a choice. What will you do with the community that God has given to you as an inheritance to step into? What is the choice that you will make about that? Here at LifeHouse, we really believe in community. We think it's essential. And so we prioritize it quite a bit, and we do it through something that we call life groups. Now, before you lose me, this is not an advertisement for life groups, but I want to talk to you about it because I believe in it so very, very much. When I came to LifeHouse, believe it or not, just about three years ago, I was a VIP. Some of you guys are VIPs here today. I was a VIP first time three years ago. I came for one reason. I came to experience community. I needed that in my life. I needed people to come alongside of me and help me along my way, and I found it. Now, there are a lot of ways you can find community, but one way that I'm going to tell you about today is this life group because we have it available right here. And I'm still in this life group. I still have an opportunity to engage. It's a, it's a group called Bro Code. In fact, some of my bros are here in the audience, and so they know this, and we hang out, we have a great time. But we're allowed to get vulnerable there. And see, here's the thing is that if we want to grow closer to God through by growing closer together, it requires us to make that choice and be willing to be vulnerable. We are not perfect people. And I think sometimes we think that we can't be a part of community or be there for someone else because we feel like that we don't have it all made. We don't have it all together. And that's not God's desire. We are imperfect people pursuing after a perfect God and we do that better together. Here at LifeHouse, we have a saying. We say that circles are better than rows. And it's, it's referring to where you're sitting at right now. We come together, we celebrate the weekend, but guess what? One hour to, for the weekend is not gonna be enough. In fact, we know that. That's why we give you time to be a part of a life group where you can circle yourselves around believers, where you can be authentic, where you can be real, where people aren't gonna judge you, where people are gonna care for you, they're gonna come alongside of you, and they're gonna say, let's take our next steps of faith together. And you know what? When you fall down, I'm gonna be there to pick you up. And you know what? For me, myself, if you're about to fall, I'm gonna be there to help you. We have the opportunity to engage in a community that's gonna deepen our faith in Jesus Christ, that's gonna allow us to grow closer to him. And I wanna challenge you to be a part of this. It's essential. If you've gone through life and felt isolated or disconnected, this is your opportunity, not just to have a thing to attend, but to have real family, to have real community. And it's important we've kind of recognized across the United States that as the church, we probably have done the best job with this. And it's essential. God tells us to do it in his word. We're supposed to be gathering ourselves together. But we don't do it very well. In fact, we, we recently looked at the numbers on this and across America, the church as a whole, only about 30% of the church is engaged in community. What 30%? That means two thirds of them feel disconnected, isolated, and alone and abandoned. And that's an opportunity. Here at LifeHouse, we've made this a priority, and we are doing a little better, but we're not where I'd like us to be at yet. And especially here at Chambersburg, we are trying to grow this because I believe so much that when you grow this community, it's going to grow into your community. This community, it's going to grow into your community. That you're going to be able to reach Chambersburg with the love of Jesus Christ. So here's my thing. It's not being about 30 or 40 percent. My goal is not 50 percent. My goal is not 75 percent. My goal is not even 100%. And this is gonna sound cliche, but hang on with me for a second. My goal is 110% participation in life groups, 110%. And you might say, well, how in the world is that possible if all of us are in a group that's only 100? percent It's that you invite in your neighbors, to you invite in your coworkers. And this is what I know, particularly in this area, there are so many people that have some connection with God, perhaps in their past, and now they want nothing to do with them. Or maybe they've never heard about God before, and you have the opportunity, the privilege, to invite them into a community that will transform their life for eternity. You can't beat that. And you know what? Some of these people, they're not going to feel comfortable walking into a church on Sunday morning. Even if it's a, one that we transform a gymnasium into this cool experience, they're not going to feel comfortable doing that. But you know what? They will feel comfortable going out for a cup of coffee with you. They'll feel comfortable coming over for dinner at your house. They'll feel comfortable having, if we ever get warm weather, having a barbecue and a burger at your place. They'll feel comfortable to that. And those are intentional opportunities that you can use to build that relationship to point them back to Jesus Christ. And I believe so much this is more than just us. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. So I want to challenge you and encourage you today. What will you do to expand the community that God wants you to be a part of? Will you take a step into that community and say, I need to make this a priority in my life. I need to get involved. I need to get plugged in so that people are speaking into my life and so that I can bring people in and point them back to Jesus. I wanna challenge you this because it is so important. God never designed us to live life alone. And in some ways, I feel that when we do that, we're actually sinning. And God says, I want you to be a part of what I've created. I want you to come alongside other people to link arms and say that as a body of Christ, we together are gonna grow closer to God and take his love further. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that we can experience genuine connection through Jesus Christ. It's not something that we take lightly. It's something that we believe in. And God, Lord, I thank you so much that that connection was made through the price of Jesus Christ. And I pray today, Lord, for people here that maybe have never made that decision. That today they would experience that connection with you first. That they would say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you for forgiveness of sins. Accept me into your family. But God, Lord, I also pray for others of us that feel disconnected and alone. God, Lord, would you give us courage? Would you give us boldness to to allow us to get connected in the community that you created, that you designed, that you gave to us as an inheritance? God, Lord, we do not want to miss up on this opportunity. So God, Lord, would you allow us to be motivated, prioritize our time to be in community so we can grow and be in community so we can reach others around us? We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.